I fall down upon the ground, press my face against the earth, till my heart arises over my head. As the weed it bows down low, when the autumn wind blows, I kneel before the one I love. The dust that you first held in the garden where you knelt, pull me up against your face again. Till the breath of your hope fills the depths of my soul, and all I know is I've been. Singing, find me.
joy. Um, if anybody wonders what the kingdom looks like, that's part of it. That's what it looks like. So it's um, an honor. Um, I love Luke Samuel McClure and Eliana too. And they're a big part of my life. So um, I'm very, very grateful for them. And it's an honor to say, you're the Lord's. You're the Lord's. Uh, before we begin, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for an opportunity to Declare publicly that you are Lord. That you're Lord over Luke Samuel's life and you're Lord over ours. So I just thank you, Lord, that um, we live in a place that we can do that and do that freely. Lord, I pray for whatever you have orchestrated today, whatever you are, um, have on the potter's wheel for us, that we would be moldable and that we would hear you and we would hear what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, everybody, how was your week after the election? <laughs> Don't answer that. Um, one of the things that I want to ask the question of is, when I say the word power, what comes to your mind? Dominance. Jesus. That's, who said Jesus? Was that you, Grace? Oh. <laughs> Anita. Okay, great. Jesus. Strength. Sometimes it might look like this to somebody. That, does that kind of represent power to you? How about this? For my husband who's an electrician, I, this is probably what he thought of right away. You're very logical. Well, it's a power source. You know? Sometimes it looks like this, that lording over, that controlling, that being under something, that they have power over me, and I don't like that they have power over me, or, or that I'm going to be up here, and I want the power, and I want the control. One of the things that I think the Lord is putting on our heart for today is to understand world power. You see, world power operates out of intimidation, doesn't it? That's what it looks like. It looks like I'm going to have the power to control your life, to control your family, to control the things that, that um, you maybe want control of, but I'm not going to give it to you. Another thing that power looks like is fear, doesn't it? We think if we can make somebody afraid of something, we have power. My daughter Rachel, last week, before the election, was, she works at a place where they walk dogs. And she was walking the dogs down the street, down the neighborhood. It's actually a, a hotel for dogs. They do all kinds of stuff there. But some uh, man was walking on the street, too. And I'm sure he was harmless. But he came up to her, and he started a conversation with her. And she's 25, so it just kind of, you know, you, you kind of have your guard up. Unfortunately, it's what happens. And then he said to her, in, the, in some effect, who are you going to vote for? And she said, well, you know, I'm not really sure. i got to go. And then he opened his jacket and showed her his gun that he had. 
she thinks that he was, you know, he says, well, I'm, in the, I'm on the Supreme Court, or I'm a judge, or something like that. And she was just sharing. She said, I don't know if he was trying to intimidate me, because he had a badge, too, of like some, being some kind of a judge or something. She said, but it did intimidate. It, it did make her afraid. And we had to process through that a little bit. How many times do we try to intimidate people to get them to think like we think? See, world power asks the question, what can I get? World power asks the questions, how can I protect myself? World power asks the questions, what can I do to make sure my family is, is protected and safe? Power that's based in fear is expected. It's normal. Unfortunately, it's common. And so we don't question it very much. We just know we don't like it. So we can get caught up in it. We can either get caught up in the fear, caught up in the intimidation, or get caught up in the fight to try and be the one who has the power. That's world power. Jesus lived in the midst of this. Listen to this. He lived in, the, in a time when there were a people group called Sadducees. They were wealthy. They held the majority of the Sanhedrin council, which was like the government, and they had a lot of power to make decisions. They held high positions like high priests, chief priests. The Sadducees were um, more concerned with political power than with spiritual things. They wanted to keep peace with Rome. So they did what they needed to do to keep peace with Rome, which was ruling over Israel at the time. Because they were wealthy and worked with the Roman government, they weren't thought highly of by the common person. They were so self-sufficient, they denied God's involvement in everyday life. Jesus walked the earth in the midst of this people group. Listen to this. There was another group called the scribes. The scribes were the ones that were meticulous in copying and recopying and copying and recopying the Old Testament, the scriptures. We can thank them that we have a copy of that today. That was their job. That was their role. Even to the point they were so meticulous that they would count the numbers and they would count the space, they would would number the spaces in the letters. They would count them to make sure they didn't miss anything. Most of us are thinking, oh my gosh, that would be a horrible job. Some of you probably think, oh, that'd be cool. But because they were in the scriptures so much, they became experts at how to keep the law. They became teachers of the people. And they were respected because of their knowledge and their outward appearance of law-keeping. And then we have the Pharisees, all of these people groups. Does this sound familiar Does it sound familiar to today? The Pharisees, in contrast to the Sadducees, they were mostly middle-class businessmen. Therefore, they they were held in much higher esteem with the common people. And though they, they were the minority of the Sanhedrin council, they had more influence because they had the masses of the people behind them. Despite the differences of these groups, they did come to together on one decision. They came together and unanimously decided we must crucify Christ. 
We must get rid of him. He isn't operating in our system. He isn't doing what we're expecting him to do. He's threatening to us. You see, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, they all did what was expected of them. But Jesus was different. He did what was unexpected. Today we're going to go to a scripture verse. If you have your Bibles, you can get them out and turn to Matthew 12. And we're going to start in verse 15. And just, we're going to go through this and listen. Now this is happening, at this point in the story, the opposition toward Jesus is mounting by these Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and and the people who are saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Jesus. Wait a minute. You're not playing by the rules. So that opposition is mounting, which is also causing the revolution of Jesus to grow. The revolution wants to enthrone him. They want to make him king. They want him to take down the Roman government that's oppressing us. Does any of this sound familiar? But Jesus puts on the brakes. He says, not this way. Not this way. His revolution would come, but not as they expected. And here we see Matthew reminding us of the radically different way we see the power of Jesus. Let's read the scriptures. Verse 15. Jesus, aware of this, so he was aware that right before that um, Jesus was in the synagogue, he had healed a man with a withered hand. The um, Sadducees and the scribes were like, what, what are you doing? It's the Sabbath, for one. And who gives you the power to heal like this? And verse 14 says, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. And then we get to verse 15. Jesus, aware of this, aware that he, people are after him, withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So Matthew is going back and quoting scripture from the Old Testament. And here we have Isaiah. Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. What happens when the spirit falls on someone? You get power. You get authority. You get anointing. This is the prophecy of Jesus. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Then we get to this verse 19. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. How has our week been? I'm just, I'm sorry, but how are we, I can't not ask the question, how are we doing with quarreling? Crying aloud. Jesus shows incredible strength, doesn't he? Even when standing before petty people who are working furiously at trying to get him to lose his composure, he holds it together. This is what the Lord wants us to see. He says, look at Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Look at him. See his model. See what he's showing you. And respond. Verse 20 says, 
A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. Reeds were tall and fragile. They grew by the sides of the rivers, and when people walked by them, they would you know, kind of run their hand over them, and they would bend, and they would break. I've been doing some walking, and when I go through the nature center at, at Central Park in Roseville, I walk through this place where there's tall grasses, and they have the little plumy things on top, and I run my hand through them. They break when we do that. People are gentle. The reeds are gentle. And its smoldering wick is when, it's, when the oil is gone. The vessel's empty. It has nothing left, and it just is a smoldering little ember. And what they would do is they would snuff it out. But this says Jesus won't do that. Jesus won't snuff it out. He's going to reignite it. He's going to put more fuel in that baby. Isaiah paints an unexpected picture of how the Messiah would come in his power. And in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in his name, in his name alone, the Gentiles will have hope. Welcome to the church, Gentiles. We're in. You see, they were looking for a general a king to force the Romans into submission, but the power of Jesus was unexpected. The power of Jesus is harnessed through the act of serving. It's unexpected. It's not what we think of it when we think of power, but yet it's the most powerful thing on the planet. Jesus is powerful by straightening what's been bent and healing what's been broken, by looking for those who are downcast and discouraged and at their end and lifting them up and saying, I will rescue you, I will make you secure. That's power. That's power a world can't do. world can't do those things. It's unexpected. They didn't see it coming. Think about this. What moves us as human beings? When you think of power, like think of a movie like Fast and Furious. Powerful cars, which I'm a fan of. I love those kind of movies. Powerful cars, a lot of action. They're they're jumping over things. Things are blowing up, and it's it's powerful, and it's good. But does it change your heart? Does it move you? Or like Transformers. You know, you got these things that are just can do all this morphing and all these different things and, and they got power and again, there's a lot of things that they're overcoming and they're taking over and, and they are defeating evil, but can they change your heart when you're watching it? Think about the movies that move you so deeply in the deepest place where you go, I want to live differently. We had dinner at a friend's house last week and we were talking about movies. And one of my favorite ones is The Weeping Camel, which none of you will ever know. But it's, it moves me so much that I've watched it several times and I think, I want to live like that. I want to live like a community like that. Or how about this one that you might know a little better? It's a beautiful life. Or life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. A little boy and his dad, and they're in a concentration camp, and the dad does everything in his power to make the little boy not know where he really is. Those things change us. Those things move us. A story like Corrie ten Boom moves us, changes us, makes us think, 
God, I want to live differently. I want to live differently. That's the power in the kingdom to me. We see it when the woman touches the hem of Jesus' garment. A subtle, silent gesture, motion, that has so much power, you think, I want to touch the hem of Jesus. I want to do that. Dropping the stones of the woman caught in adultery. You've got this scene where this woman is, is, is she's, she's at her death's door. Because that's the law. The scribes, Sadducees, the Pharisees are all standing around, I'm sure, and that's the law. And they try to catch Jesus. What are you going to do? And she's at, she's at death's door. The power, the unexpected power, the true power happens when they drop their rocks and they walk away. That's what moves us. What kind of rocks have we been hanging on to this week that we need to drop? We need to live differently. We need to live in kindness. We need to live in generosity. We need to live in love. We need to live as Jesus is modeled for us. Healing of the paralytic paralytic that says, pick up your mat and walk. These are the stories of real power. See, because world power can't do this. World power can't renew your mind. Fear and intimidation may change your behavior, but it won't renew your mind. World power won't heal your body. World power won't make you think differently. World power won't encourage you to go out and love your neighbor, as Jesus said. It won't multiply your resources, and I'll guarantee you this, world power will not give you eternal life. Jesus wants us to notice the difference and see the difference because it's so easy to get caught up in world power. It's so easy to get caught up that that we give world power more power than it really has. And Jesus wants to turn our attention back to his power. Look at mine. Submission, surrender, restraint, obedience. These are the way of the true power. It's unexpected, but it's real. And let me tell you guys something is harder. In my world, which is very limited and small, surrender is harder than criticism. Obedience is harder than running away and throwing your hands up and saying it's hopeless. Restraint is harder when you want to criticize. Point fingers. But these are the ways of true power. These are the ways of kingdom power. And in our series of invitation that we've been going through, I can't help but say that we're invited into it. We're totally invited into it. And it's power in action. We see power having an active component. It's not static, like touching a hem, dropping a rock, bringing your friends to the healer, showing Jesus to people, picking up a mat. We're part of the equation. What is that for us at Bridgewood Community Church in our neighborhoods and where we work? What is it? Is it a smile? Who knows? If, if We think that a smile is insignificant, but it, what if you smile at somebody that is having the worst day ever and they go, they just noticed me. Okay, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. 
That is power. I don't care what anyone else says. That is real power. That is the most powerful thing we're called to do. And we have to be obedient to that. We have to live as Jesus is calling us to live and not live as the world expects us to live. We have to live that unexpected life. Maybe it's an invitation to somebody to dinner that you don't know. Maybe it's an offer of giving. Maybe it's a place of obeying. Maybe it's having a word for somebody and saying, I don't know if this means anything to you, but don't change who you are. God loves who you are. Who knows? Who knows what it is? But I, am, I, would, I just am convinced, absolutely convinced, that it's more powerful than what the world says power is. And I think it's what God wants us to notice. He wants us to recognize it. He wants us to see the difference. He wants us to turn from our tendencies to get caught up in the world's power and resist it and trust kingdom power. Trust him. I'll close with this. It brings us to Luke chapter 17. And it says this, being asked by the Pharisees, Jesus is being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, or being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Or there, there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus was talking about himself. I am the kingdom of God. I am the power. Look to me. See me. Notice what I do. As I've copied and am the imprint of my father, copy and imprint me. He was in the midst of them there and he's in the midst of us here. The only thing I can think of is Jesus wants us to pay attention. And he wants us to notice in our own worlds, are we operating in world power or kingdom power? Which one is it? Which one will we choose? And then let's go and do what the world is not expecting us to do. It's critical. When I said the world needs Luke Samuel, I wasn't kidding. We, the world needs us to do what they're not expecting us to do because you know they're expecting us to do certain things. They're expecting us to judge and point fingers and hate. Let's, let's turn that upside down. Let's be different. Let's be different. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we just come before you and, and I personally um, just say, would you change my heart? Would you help me to see where I'm operating under the world's power and I need to change my focus to yours? Would you help me to drop rocks and surrender and be obedience wherever you're calling us to? And Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to do this. Would you help us to be a church that is unexpected to the people who are downtrodden and broken? And Would you help us to live a life that imitates you more and more. Would you help us to drop our rocks? We need you, Lord.
We need you more than ever. We love you. We just declare right now in this place that you are our Father in heaven and you are our Lord and Savior and you are our King. We trust in your power. Thank you, God. Thank you for the example of Scripture to live a a new and different way. Lord, I pray that this, this offering would become the widow's might and you would multiply it and it would be a movement of your kingdom that you would bless it and that others would be blessed because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.